Hello. Hello. How are you, Kim? Good. How are you? Who's this goof? <laughs> How you doing, Mr. Bone? <laughs> Heavy on the mister, Corey. Heavy on the mister. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute here. I'm going to have to put the phone on you here in a second. <laughs> Can we wait 10 minutes, guys, to do this? I have to do a thing on XM Radio. The Perrant Favelle Generation X podcast is powered by Biscuit Tees and Favelle Fitness. Bringing you unique comfort and style while optimizing a healthy, organic lifestyle. So a very good friend of mine who unfortunately has passed away uh, way too young was a fellow by the name of Mike Callahan. And Michael was a defenseman with the Peterborough Peets when, when Bernie was playing in Niagara Falls. And I guess uh, Peets were shooting the puck in and Bernie was coming out handling the puck and doing all kinds of stuff with it and whatnot. And the coach at the end of the second period was just livid in the Peterborough dressing room. SOB, There'll be twenty dollars at anybody's envelope who'll run that SOB down there with us. Now who hadn't gotten on the ice? Here's his hand up. I'll get him. I'll get him. I'll get him. So they start Cal on left wing. He shoots the puck right at Bernie. He goes down the boards. Bernie comes out, handles the puck, and Cal comes across ice and levels him. Just levels him. And then as he's striding back up, coming back up ice all full of smiles, knowing he's got 20 bucks in his pocket. <laughs> Jill Marat grabbed him, and Cal said, the next thing I know, he's got one knee on this shoulder, one knee on this shoulder. Oh, I open my eyes, and I see this big piston. Oh. And said, I opened and closed. I opened and closed. I opened and closed. <laughs> so Jill Marat just beat the hell out of him. So the next day, Cal comes to practice and looking for his 20 bucks. And the coach said, you can't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. Get out of here. So he didn't get the 20 bucks. <laughs> and he got beat he, up. <laughs> yeah, he got beat up. Now he's working at, uh, at Woolworths, <laughs> making some money. And he's shoveling snow out there. And the, and the store manager comes out to him and says, what the hell happened to you? And Cal says, oh, I had a disagreement with Joe Marat. He says, well, go home. You're scaring the customers. <laughs> <laughs> he must have really got him good. Oh, I guess he did. I don't know. I don't think Bernie was hurt, but Cal, Cal got, 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 got beat up pretty good. Hey, you <laughs> know, it's a chance you take going after a goalie like that. That's it, baby. That's it. Don't touch the goaltender or you're yep. going to get it. I read something that when you first got hired, you thought, your friend was calling and playing a prank on you? Yep. yep. What's that story? <laughs> <laughs> Leafs uh, had a gentleman by the name of Ron Hewitt, who was doing uh, the play-by-play -play on radio, decided that he wanted to get into radio sales full-time. Now, he was no relation to Foster or, or Bill Hewitt. Uh, spelt his name differently, but uh, it was kind of ironic that it, it, it was, you know, sounded the same. But anyway... So a friend of mine, uh, Alan Davis, uh, who I worked with in Halifax, I'd been out there for three years doing the Nova Scotia Voyageur games. Um, he sends me a note in April saying, hey, this is happening. Well, I'd sent tapes and everything else to every National Hockey League game. I still have the letters from a number of general managers, including Cliff Fletcher from the uh, Atlanta Flames, uh, telling me that they uh, will keep my tape on, uh, on, on resume and all of that, keep it on file. So I sent the same stuff that I did to <clears throat> Telemedia Sports in care of Len Bramson, who uh, was the president of Telemedia Sports. And they 
uh, did the Blue Jay games in the summer and they did the Leaf games. Uh, and then I never heard anything. And um, uh, my first son, uh, Liam, was born uh, in April and uh, I loved Halifax and so I hadn't heard anything. So uh, we go house hunting and I find a house uh, in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, just across the bridge from Halifax. And uh, on the Wednesday, uh, my bank manager phones and tells me, uh, you've got, got, got the house. 22 points on the dollar, the loan was. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> and, uh, so this is a major league undertaking going on in the Bowen household. And um, uh, in the summertime, I had to do morning sports run with uh, my very good friend, Mike Cranston, who was the morning man at CHMS in Halifax. And so I would um, uh, go in and do the morning sports run and all of that sort of stuff. And um, uh, I came home about 10 o'clock and I usually got a nap in the afternoon or something. And anyway, I get home and the phone rings. And it's, uh, hi, uh, Joe, yes, uh, this is uh, Len Bramson, Telemedia Sports in Toronto. We've been listening to your audition tape. We'd like you to come to Toronto this weekend and do the exhibition game between the Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers as an audition. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> Alan, you blankety blank, 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 SOB, blankety blank, blank, bought a blankety blank house out here in Halifax at 22 blankety blank points on the dollar. I don't need you to be phoning me, pulling my leg over something like this. So would you kindly blankety blank, blank? <laughs> and there's silence. And then, then Mr. Bramson says, uh, Oh, no, this isn't Alan Davis. This is Len Bramson, and I would like you to come down here to do an audition. <laughs> At which point, I am now like Ralph Cramden uh, in The Honeymooners. <laughs> and I'm apologizing up one side and down the other, and Len has a, has a giggle about this and whatnot. And so he says, he says listen, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to check plate uh, uh, of stuff like that and hotel We'll call you back in 20 minutes. I hung the phone up, and I should have gone and grabbed a knife and slit my wrist. I mean, here was my big break, my opportunity, and I have just told this guy in no uncertain terms to go blankety blank, blank, blank. Well, instead of 20 minutes, 10 minutes later, Len phones me back. He says, Joe, this is the first time anyone has told me to take my job and shove it before I even offered them the job. But you've listened to your tape again. We don't need the audition. Would you fly in and we'll sign the contract? Oh, wow. Oh, so awesome. I'm living proof that you can tell a prospective boss <laughs> to go shove it and still get the job. So that was, well, uh, that, that's how I got to Toronto. That was that's... meant to be. You just bought your house. Thank God you didn't get hired in, like, you know, California yeah. or something. You got <laughs> yeah. to stay in Toronto and you had your house. Yeah, well, perfect. Didn't have didn't have the house in Toronto. I had to sell the house in Halifax. Then I got to Toronto and found out that house prices in Toronto were a hell of a lot higher than they were in Halifax. Oh. So <laughs> we had to, we lived in an apartment for a couple of years before we bought a house here in Unionville. It's definitely like a scene out of a movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs>
Take so your job you, and shove it. Yeah. <laughs> we, won't, we won't recommend that to the kids Wasn't these days. Wasn't there a country song, something like that? I think there was. There Take definitely has to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what year was that, Joe? What year was the that you started with the Leafs? That, that was 1982-83 uh, season. So my first, game, my first game was in um, my favorite all-time stadium uh, was in the Chicago Stadium. Yeah. Uh, and that's another great story too i was uh i mean i'm really nervous i mean you can only imagine this is you know the, the this is the big time and everything else yeah. I, I i had rehearsed what i wanted to say i had written it all down i was all ready to go I, I wanted to get there early because i'd never been in the building i wanted to find out how to get there and see we every rank we went to an engineer was there to set you up and get you going so the guy who was doing color with me, Doug McKay, he had been an assistant coach with the Leafs, so he didn't come with me. I wanted to go early. I got in a cab with the biggest man I'd ever seen in my life, and he started down Madison Street towards uh, what I thought I was going on my last ride. I mean, <laughs> this, this part of Chicago has changed a great deal since they built the United Center. But when it was the Chicago Stadium, it was a really, really tough neighborhood. And I'm driving with this guy and I'm look, I'm saying, I'm gonna get to the NHL and I'm never gonna get to do my first game. This is I'm this is not gonna end well. And I see this big mausoleum finally coming into view, and I thought, oh my god, thank God. So I get in and we get up there, and it's the first game of the season for them and everybody, and we can't get on the air. They're having technical difficulties either here or back in Toronto or at the stadium. And so literally, just as the referee is about to drop the puck, the engineer just turned and went, you're on. <laughs> I had no time to do the rehearsal stuff. It was just, hey, puck's dropped. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the air. So that was it. So we, we off we went. And uh, I never did get the... I thought I had a really nice opening to welcome myself to, <laughs> to hear the fans to their new broadcaster and everything. Instead, it was just, here we are, let's go. It's hey. <laughs> well, and here we are today. Yeah, you're the, the legendary voice. That's that, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, and now right. working with uh, Ralphie, I'm sure you guys, well, I was... Again, I experienced it firsthand, but the fun that you guys have and the, the joking around and up in the booth. Um, he must keep you on your toes. must be a blast <laughs> well, between the two Jim, of you. Jim Ralph is the Bob Euchre of hockey. He really is. I mean, Euchre's made the major leagues, but he, he's, I mean, he pokes so much fun at himself about being so bad uh, <laughs> that, you know, I mean, how do you, Euchre, how do you, how do you catch a knuckleball? Well, I usually wait till it stops rolling and then I throw it back. I mean, <laughs> so, so Jimmy, Jimmy's hockey career, he was a great goaltender and junior in Ottawa and, and then had a major uh, knee surgery that derailed his, his, his uh, efforts. Um, he, he backed up and played uh, in preseason games for the Chicago Blackhawks, but never tasted playing in, at the NHL level. So he, he's the Bob Euchre uh, of, of hockey, and his sense of humor and his dry sense of humor reflects that. And so 
Um, it's been a real pleasure working with him, and I've, I've worked with other great broadcasters, too, when I did TV with uh, Harry Neal uh, and Scotty Bowman I worked with. So uh, I've really been blessed with the people that I have uh, had to uh, share the, the, the broadcast booth with because they've been, A, very knowledgeable about the sport, but B, very, a lot of humor. Um, I mean, when you do 82 games, they're not all Rembrandts. There's a few Picassos mm -hmm. in there. And <laughs> you've got to, you know, I think, entertain the fans. If they're going to stay and listen to you uh, and it's 6-2 going the wrong way, you know, you might as well have some fun with it because uh, it, it, it's not going to all be uh, guns and roses. Sometimes there's a there's a bad one in there, too. So uh, we've, uh, we've had some seasons that were like that, but uh, we're blessed this year and the last couple of years with this young group in uh, Toronto to be, uh, you know, at least competitive and maybe take a run in the postseason. We'll wait and see. Well, um, as a fan, as a listener, I completely agree. When you have two announcers that you enjoy listening to, that bring humor, that pull you in, even you know, and especially during a rough game, that will keep me listening as opposed to, you know, if it's the opposite, I'm turning it off, you know, so... Well, he, he does he does a great job. Um, he's I mean, funny. We, he'll compare himself to my dad. Like you said, that, you know, humor. He's like, you know, which one was better kind of thing. Like he's always making himself the butt of the joke. And it's really, yep, yeah, yep, he's exactly. exactly a pro at that. And, <laughs> and exactly. Joe, it, it's, it's funny because my dad, when he retired in Colorado, um, he did a little bit of color for the Colorado Flames, which was um, Calgary's farm team. And that I was a goalie. I was probably maybe eight or nine, kind of just really getting into watching hockey. And Jim Ralph, he only played a few games, but I happened to go to a couple of those games that he played, and he was one of my favorite goalies. And I couldn't figure out where he went, right? I loved his white mask. He was left-handed. And like, so I was a big Jim Ralph fan. And uh, just from those couple of games he played with the Colorado Flames. So I always yeah. joke that, that, uh, you know, he he had an impact on me, and well, like like his last little effort, he got the uh, the New Market Saints into the playoffs, and yeah. Um, yeah. and didn't, uh, and then the next year they didn't renew his contract, so they, <laughs> they hire and I and where Jimmy has really excelled after his career has been uh, emceeing events and mm -hmm. guest speaking and and that sort of stuff, and so I was part of his very first effort of being not Jim Ralph goaltender, uh, but <laughs> Jim Ralph comedian. And uh, so he was as nervous as you can imagine. Now, uh, you know, he used to entertain all of the guys on the bus and get up to with the, with the microphone and and uh, and have fun because, okay, first off, there was no internet. There were no laptops. There were no cell phones. You made your own humor. You either read <laughs> something or you played cards or you, you know, joked around yeah. with one another. And Ralphie was... Uh, a lot of the entertainment on some of those trips. So he, um, he, uh, we remember fondly the very first night when he, uh, uh, or it was a banquet that the Leafs had, a meet the Leafs luncheon. And the year before, they'd had some guy on there uh, as the guest uh, comedian. Uh, his name was, and I don't know if he ever amounted to anything, John Candy. <laughs> so the next, so the next year, uh, Ralphie shows up, and the guy he goes in to get himself a beer. He says, "Oh yeah, last year they had John Candy on, and Ralphie went, and they have me this year. Oh no, oh no! So, <clears throat> yeah, he had, uh, he, and he did great. He did great, and he went on to uh, 
the, and, and COVID has obviously had a major impact on, on that because we haven't had gatherings and golf mm-hmm. tournaments and stuff like that to do over the last uh, year or so. And he That's is so my- funny. And his son is too. His son, he's oh, yeah. got some yeah. clips of yeah. his <laughs> Yes, yeah. stand-up comedy, which, yeah. which Ralphie sort of does, but but he does a lot of impersonations and things that yeah. that's his crutch to go back to, and, yeah. and the other things that he does there are just off the cuff kind of thing. But no, Jesse uh, Jesse's gotten that from his dad. He's very good, yeah. and you should watch him. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen some clips. He's he is really funny. Yep. Yeah. What were we saying, Cor? Sorry. Oh, I, I lose my, I lost my train on that one. But um, uh, I was just thinking, dude, do you, um, <clears throat> my dad was mentioning, said he sees you a lot at the, uh, the Leaf alumni and the Leaf charity mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm just hoping um, if you've heard anything, hopefully they can, they can get that started again this year. And like you said, your son working at the golf course, hopefully they can open up some golf courses, but that's something too, that the guys really haven't, you know, been able to see each other uh, up here in Canada which um, I know down in, in Philly, it's a little bit different, but um, my dad wanted to say hi to you. And he said, he, you know, a lot of respect for you. And he says, he sees you at all the golf tournaments and stuff. And he says, you're a great guy. So he wanted me to say hi to you. From, I appreciate from that. I, he's, yeah. he's one of my favorites too. And uh, uh, I think uh, I was very much honored by the Hockey Hall of Fame to win the Foster Hewitt Award a couple of years ago. Yep. I think I'm most proud of uh, the fact that one year at uh, the Leafs Alumni Golf Tournament, uh, they voted, and I am an honorary member of the Toronto Maple Leaf Alumni. And I, oh, yes, I'm as proud of that uh, as anything because uh, um, a lot of those guys that uh, you know started when I started in uh, in the '80s, which was before your dad, or it was after your dad was there, of course. Um, but then to see them and to be uh, welcomed as one, uh, I think, is a, a, a tribute that I uh, don't take lightly by any stretch of the imagination. Um, when Harold Ballard was running this operation, the alumni were an afterthought. Um, they would organize things on their own or whatever, but got no support from Harold or the Toronto Maple Leafs because of that. The arrival of Cliff Fletcher changed that. And now the Leaf alumni is probably one of the, the, the biggest, if not the largest, in, in the National Hockey League. And they have been the flagship uh, to be measured against and to be emulated by other teams and organizations as to what can go on in a community by these people who have come and played in your city and have loved it enough to stay. Um, now, a lot of Canadian guys have gone to play in the States and then come back here to live in Canada. Um, but if, if they played even one game with the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are welcomed with open arms into this alumni. And they may be part of alumni elsewhere, like your dad is with Philadelphia. I was going to say, so my dad is a part of the alumni too then, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Both of your parents are uh, your, your dad. Uh, and they do a, a great deal. I mean, they they barnstorm across Canada. I think Barry Lehman's played more alumni games than he did in the National Hockey League, and he played for quite a few seasons. So they're always playing and uh, and raising money and wa- uh, raising awareness for great causes. Um, I, I'm very proud to be a part of that group in a very small way that I am. 
Uh, and it's, it's funny because down in Philly, you know, we're lucky enough to have the same situation down here. The alumni is so strong and gives back and does so much and has been so good to all the players that have come through here. And we owe all of that to Mr. Snyder. But um, we're pretty fortunate and, for that, too. And, and, you know, one of the things that uh, really brought this to bear in, in the last little while was the passing of Bob Plager in St. Louis. Um, here's here the three Plager brothers from New Liskard end up all playing at the same time for the expansion St. Louis Blues against uh, those guys from Philadelphia, and uh, and and then Bobby stayed and was literally Mr. Blue, uh, and uh, then uh, tragically um, uh, dying a couple of weeks ago. But they had a huge memorial service for him and uh, and, and things of that nature. I've got a great Bob Plager story, if, if you have time. Yeah. Please, go ahead. Uh, so, so this is uh, this would be expansion. First year, St. Louis Blues are playing the Philadelphia Flyers, and they've got a game seven coming up against the Flyers. And um, Scotty Bowman is coaching the Blues, and they decide that they're going to bring up 43-year-old Doug Harvey from the minors. For game seven. And uh, so, I mean, one of the greatest defensemen of all time uh, had, had his problems with alcohol abuse and whatnot, but was still playing, <clears throat> excuse me, at that age. And he comes into the dressing room and he's going to be uh, Bob Plager's uh, defense partner for this game. Uh, and so he, Bob Plager is just in awe. I mean, this. Doug Harvey, for God's sake, this is the greatest defenseman in the history of, of, of the game. Yeah. And uh, he goes up and introduces himself and, uh, oh, Mr. Mr. Harvey, and first off, it, it's Doug. Uh, and Doug Harvey says, Mr. Plager, he says, I have one rule and one rule only for tonight's game. If I pass you the puck, under no circumstances are you to ever pass it back to me. <laughs> give it to give it to one of those goofs up front to screw yeah. up. We're not going to screw it up back here. So the St. Louis Blues breakout play was immediately in place, and that was what went on. Doug Harvey passed you the puck. Do not give it back to Doug Harvey. <laughs> and did awesome. they uphold that throughout the game? That's right, and they beat the Flyers. And went on to have to play Montreal in the Stanley Cup final and lost uh, the the first year. So that that's a that's a great story. And and every time we went to St. Louis, Bobby Plager was uh, a, a clown prince. He always had some stories to retail you with, or some stupid joke that he had heard. That uh, everybody who went through got to hear again and again. Yeah. My dad always said, "Man, those." Those Plager brothers were tough. Like they were oh, tough boy. boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that it, by the time Bobby Plager had the puck, if he was going to pass it to Doug Harvey, it was probably chopped up into small pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to go back. Well deserved. You becoming a, a member of the Leaf alumni. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I was yeah. really excited to you know see that. I always just pictured you as a member of the Leaf alumni, but that's great that they. They recognize that because, like you said, some guys come in and play a couple games and, you know, they're part of the alumni. You've been the voice for for so long. So I just want to say that was well-deserved. Congrats on that. Absolutely. 
And um, yeah, I, I love the, the, the Plager stories. My dad always had great uh, Plager stories. And that was, you know, when Ed Snyder had to beef up the Flyers, they, they beat the living tar out of them. And I remember somebody the other day mentioned about um, Dickie Moore. Dickie Moore was on St. Louis there. And yeah. my dad always, they mentioned, said, oh, your dad had a big fight with Dickie Moore. And I said, well, I think my dad used to, to chirp him. My dad said he, he used to skate by the bench and he, hey, old man, hey, old man, you still playing, old man? So he said <laughs> a big melee breaks out. And I, I asked my dad, I said, hey, like, looks like you got, you know, you took a few in there. And he goes, yeah, he goes, that was Dickie Moore. He caught me by surprise in the middle of the pileup, just started giving it to me. So he goes, those are the trips. But, Maybe uh, that's what Nikolai Ehlers was saying to Joe Thornton the other night that got him all riled up and was really giving it back to them. Oh, the man. I wish we'd had a microphone in there because <laughs> Joe Thornton would have had some great lines and I wish I'd heard them. And I, I love, I just, just the way he's bringing that team together, the character, um, just with the Mitch Marner and the the Matthews little thing the other day, and Joe Thornton walks by in the background, completely naked, <laughs> just cracking <laughs> his stick out. It's just he's really gluing that team together. I hope you know. I hope they make a run for it. But yeah, the Ellers. I was watching that uh, this morning. I was just man. I wish I'd uh, would have you know listened to that conversation. They asked Joe after the game about it, and he oh, didn't no, really no, have a comment. Like it, no. <laughs> so, yeah. no, it, it, I'm sure. I'm sure there was a lot of deleted expletives in there. But you know the one. <laughs> The one thing about uh, going to alumni events, um, when when you are playing, and here's a perfect example. When you're playing and Joe Thornton's issued the other night, you're not going to hear anything about that. Yep. He retires four or five years later, you're at an event, and someone <laughs> asks him what, and you're going to get to hear the whole story. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and that's the fun part about the alumni, because... Those stories come out, and 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 just an example, I guess. Um, John Brophy was coaching. Uh, speaking of tough guys, John Brophy was coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Kevin McGuire, um, uh, Brophy had was coaching in St. Catharines, and Kevin McGuire was one of the the tough guys with the St. Catharines um, Saints. And um, so when Brophy comes up, he gets. Kevin McGuire called up. Well, now here's Maggie coming from, you know, whatever, how much money he was making in St. Catharines, who he's now getting a major league salary. And the first thing Maggie does is go out and he buys himself a brand new, absolutely wild sports jacket, just really, really fashionable, right? So Brof is a fashion Nut. I mean, he had more clothes and everything else. And I, I had the pleasure of riding the bus with Brofe when we were in in, in uh, Nova Scotia for a couple of years. And so he was always naturally attired, really sharp, looking sharp behind that bench. He had the gray hair like I do and whatnot, and he was always there. But he was right. I mean, Brofe was just a character beyond characters. But so here's Maggie. He's got this beautiful jacket, and he goes and he hangs it up in the there's a rack where the, the guys hang their clothes up before they go in and, and get dressed. Well, Broke's walking by, and he sharp by for fashion. He sees this coat. And he says, hey, I like that. So he takes his off, and he puts Maggie's coat on. Wouldn't you know, it fits like Uh-oh. a car. So Broke says, I'm going to wear this for the game. So all of a sudden, they go out, and Maggie's sitting on the bench. He looks back. He says, Jesus, that's my coat. <laughs> and 
They have a horrible first period. A horrible first period. And they come back in and Brof's got steam coming out his ears. And he is going up one side of everybody and down the other and screaming and yelling. And just to drive the point home, how this team has to rebound in the second period and be more physical and oh tough. God. He takes off the coat and he rips it. Oh, no. And now Maggie said, that's my coat. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, both bought him a new one, but the point was made. The point was made. See, that's one of the reasons why Corey and I even started this podcast is yeah. those kind of stories, the alumni stories, like yeah. you said, that come out and... Well, and so Kim, fun. Kevin McGuire is a great guy. When I coached in Buffalo, Mags was over there. And talk about alumni, he's always, you know, giving back. He's always at, you know, a, a Leaf alumni event. And I loved McGuire. I loved the style oh, yeah. he played. Um, he even actually, I think, he fought Wendell Clark in practice one time. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and Bob, Bob, Bob McGill said yeah. when Wendell came out of Saskatchewan and it was drafted first overall, uh, he comes to the Leaf training camp. He and Bob McGill in training camp fought five times. Wendell's approach was, who's the toughest guy in here? Because I have to beat him up in order to make the team. Well, who won the yeah. five fights? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think they were fairly close because okay. both yeah. of them were pretty tough customers. I'll guarantee oh, yeah. you. That's, that doesn't happen anymore. No. Well, <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine with all of the cameras going on now and all of that was, so, uh, was great. Now, have you and, ever you know, gotten in trouble for saying something like through the years? Like you were talking about with the cameras and the. <laughs> no, I no, I've managed to keep. keep oh, good. Yeah, until now, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But right. you know, one of the other, the other things too, you talk about alumni and sitting. One of the greatest days I had uh, in 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 my career of doing this we had training camp going on in newmarket and george armstrong and johnny bauer were there johnny was my idol and always will be and i sat there i wish i had a tape recorder but if i had they wouldn't have told the stories that they did but the two of them it was like one could hardly wait to tell you a george armstrong story and then chief could hardly wait to tell you a john bauer story and they went on and on and on. And I was just in tears <laughs> listening to these two guys regale one another with their old stories, right? And they probably told them a hundred thousand times since they had retired. But this was a fresh pair of ears, and I got to hear them all, and I was I was just beside myself. It was uh, it, it was just absolute hysterical what these two guys did to one another. They were roommates. <laughs> forever but uh they played practical jokes on everybody and and uh, and 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 practical jokes and i'll give you one that johnny bauer grew up through the the depression so john was always knew the value of a dollar and if you didn't have to spend half of it you could keep half of it and so john was pretty tight with his money and rightly so in those states they didn't make the kind of money that they do now but anyway so they're having training camp in um Peterborough, and John's wife has a convertible that John has bought, but it needs a paint job because it's not a new convertible, <laughs> it's a used convertible. So John phones around in Toronto to find out how much it's going to cost, and he finally phones a guy in Peterborough 
and he gets the John Bauer deal. So he's going to drive his wife's car up for the first week of training camp. In those days, they, they went for a month, right? And so they would go for five days in Peterborough. Then they'd have the weekend off. They could drive back to Toronto. So he's going to drive the car up for that week. He'll get it painted. He'll drive it back the next weekend. Well, Armstrong gets wind of this. So he goes and gets a collection from the rest of the boys. And he goes and sees the painter that's going to do John's car. And they make a bit of a deal. So Friday... Time to go back to Toronto. Everybody said, uh, the, the, the guy says, I'll, I'm leaving the keys in the mailbox. Just pick them up. It's all done. I'm going uh, to the cottage for the weekend. So there's the car already. And John shows up. It is the coat of many colors. <laughs> it's pink and chartreuse and orange. And it's camouflage. <laughs> and here it is. And, of course, all of the boys are right out on the street, Main Dragon, Peterborough. And here's John Bauer having to drive this car home for the weekend. And they're all out there. There's John Bauer, the champion of the Toronto Maple Leafs, driving. And I have the whole street. Is it? And Johnny's <laughs> below the steering wheels. So had to bring it back the next. Repaint it. That's right. Had to bring it back the next week, and yeah. they repainted it for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> that's a good story. I love well, all the practical joke stories. They're well, always a lot of fun. He talks about you know Johnny Bauer and those guys and the alumni and hearing those great stories from when they played. I love Darcy Tucker, Shane Corson. So when I go to these events now, when I hear you know Shane's told me a bunch of stories that. Man, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have you know told those back in the day. But now I love it. And and Tucker, those guys, they have such and you know they're they're brother in laws. But that's like you're saying, you get some really good stuff with the you know with the alumni and 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 the stories and the the speeches that they give out. It's great. You know, Corey. One of the things, Don Bauer, um, God rest his soul. He would, if he was going to an event, and okay, John's going to be here for two hours. Uh, signing autographs. Now, I don't know how uh, Dougie and Bernie signed their <laughs> signature, but it was John E. Bauer. <laughs> you could read it. It's yeah. like, you know, God bless the guys now. It's a bunch of scribble uh-huh. and then a yeah. number, right? There's right. a number. So you, if, if you found this 20 years from now, you're going to go, okay, number some, I don't know who wrote uh-huh. this. I, yeah. So now you got to try and find out, A, what team, what era, who wore number 19 for this, figure <laughs> out what it is. But Johnny Bauer, you could read, he had, and but he would sign, and uh, okay, the two hours is up, but you know what? The line is still out the door. Well, then John stayed. John stayed till everybody got an autograph or a picture or whatever it was that he was doing that day. Now, yes, he was probably being paid at, at some of these events, but he wasn't going to leave before everybody got what they wanted. And I think enough of the alumni over the years went to things where John was like that. And I think that that has been a, a real uh, bailiwick, if you will, for the alumni uh, on how to approach things. And uh, Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson, to name two, uh, are, are very much like John Bauer um, and how he approached things. And one of the funny things about him and George Armstrong, Chief was just a recluse. He didn't he didn't like being in front. I mean, can you imagine being the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs 
and not wanting to be on the media or be mm. out front or whatever. I mean, it was really quite strange. But uh, uh, George would never go to any of these signings. He wouldn't. He, nah, I'm not going to that. No. Nah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, he wouldn't come on the radio with Ralphie and I. And he would teach us all the time. And he did it good naturedly. He just didn't want to do it, right? So um, your uh, Johnny would get invites to go to different art events and everything else. And, and they would say to John, Johnny, if you can get George Armstrong to come, we'll give you 10 grand, as well as what we're going to pay George. So here's Johnny, I mean, over and, gee, you've got to come to this event. <laughs> I'm not going to that event with you, Power. No, I'm not. And he never did. He so never we never got did. the extra 10 grand. Exactly. John wanted the 10 grand in his jeans, too. So, uh, that was that was the, the kind of uh, relationship they had, but that was that was George Armstrong too. Now, quietly, something going on, need of somebody in need, you couldn't find a better person to be involved in uh, things behind the scene without any notoriety. Uh, George Armstrong was there. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I hear a lot of stories with my dad. Actually, someone just messaged me the other day how. Same thing, there was an, a signing, and there was a huge line, and the time was up. And he's like, but your dad stayed till every last person had their signature, and I think my dad's uh, really good with that, too. Yeah. Well, he would he would have known Johnny, right, when yeah. he was here. Uh, Johnny <laughs> yeah. was, was either, uh, I mean, sometimes Johnny would be the, the practice goalie if, the, if somebody, <laughs> if they were short somebody, and he was... About 104 at that point, I think. <laughs> but, um, uh, but he would have uh, been involved in, and with uh, either, you know, helping with the goalies when there were no goalie coaches. You know, back in those days, you were just uh, allowed to, you had to figure it out on your own recognizance to see what was going on or what wasn't going on, more than likely. Uh, but he was scouting and stuff of that nature. So I know both Doug and Bernie would have had uh, uh, great times, I'm sure, uh, listening to John Bauer stories as well. Yeah. yeah. I had the pleasure. I was telling Kim uh, last week I, in my closet, I had a leaf Jersey signed by Johnny Bauer. And when I got it, maybe, um, Oh, wow, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I went to a leaf game in the alumni box and I brought a good friend of mine, Mark Fougere. And we got into the alumni box and I said, Oh, there's your seat, you know, down there. And he said, oh, I got to sit next to that old guy. I said, yeah. And he goes, sits down. Well, he sat beside Johnny Bauer for the whole game. And he just, Johnny was the nicest guy, told him stories. So he couldn't believe it. And then yep. Johnny signed the jersey for us after the game. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was, I was really, I was, I was excited when I found that. But that was just, it, just the nicest guy. And just yep. a big set of hands. I remember shaking his hand. I was like, holy, did he even wear a, you know, did he have to wear a glove? He had the huge hands. <laughs> I'm very embarrassed by that. He was really? Oh, I mean, he had enormous fingers. I mean, yeah. but you watch, you watch the games, uh, highlights of the game. Yeah. He's playing with a CCM goal stick that probably yeah. weighed twenty pounds. <laughs> I yeah. mean, these things were e enormous. And yeah. I mean, there's a piece of two by four that had a bend in it. Is exactly yeah. what it was. And yeah. so, to and the 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 thing that he was most famous for was that great poke check. Yeah. And, yeah. Being able to, his hands being that big and that strong uh, was the reason, A, he could hang on to that stick and make those poke checks because that was that was one of his main uh, main weapons. Yeah. 
Oh, that's... And, but yet embarrassed of them. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> uh, I love all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, Kim, did you have uh, – we don't want to take up too much of your time, well, Joe. Yeah. I know we got – Well, you know what I was thinking, too? I know, like you've said, the hardest part probably of your job is all the travel. So when COVID hit and you went from all this travel to nothing, no travel, like how was that transition? Well, Kim, a couple of years ago, um, when uh, Lou Lamorello kicked us off the charters, uh, as he has done. Oh, right, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, well, Lou, Lou had the rule in New Jersey, uh, no media on the charter. So he comes to Toronto, and that's one of the rules he wants to implement. Uh, and the only people that were on the charters were myself and Jim Ralph, uh, uh, Paul Hendrick, and a young lady who uh, did the camera work for Paul. And we were all, I mean, employees of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. It wasn't like we were on there, oh, take a look at that. He's got that ice wrapped around that ankle, so we better take this out or get the yeah. – I mean, you know, you, you, you obeyed the rules of what went on. Um, but anyway, that was – he stuck with his guns on that. So anyway – He was quirky. Uh, he has his quirky stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is, this is Lou. Shave the beard, That's right? How it's going to be done, right? And now that he's in Long Island, those guys are off the charter too. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, the radio stations call us together with a member of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment to talk about what because now all of a sudden the expenses have just gone because a we got to be fly commercial. B, we, we're going to have to stay an extra night after the game instead of flying home with the team. So hotel accommodations, everything has gone right through the roof. And their budgets have just gone skyrocketing, right? So they tell us that they want to do the road games from the studio off a monitor. And oh, we balked rather vocally. And, uh -huh. and the stuff that I said at that breakfast meeting, I probably should have been fired. <laughs> but then when I got hired, I said the same thing. Right. And I still ended up getting the job. So I went ahead with it. Right. Yeah. So, and I said, you, we, you've got the two biggest conglomerates in Canada, Bell and Rogers, the richest hockey team and most famous hockey team on the planet. And you're going to go through the cheap here by telling us we can't travel to road games. And when this hits the press, you're all going to be called cheap. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Sure enough, that did happen. And um, Brendan Shanahan finally said that he phoned me and he said, "Let give me the day to figure this out and we'll see what we can And they did. So we got back. We were traveling commercial. Uh, and that's when I, I met uh, you and uh, Ralphie and you. Uh, Ralphie and I met you in, in Philadelphia. We were still uh, on commercial. So end of that story. Now COVID arrives. And we are now doing the games at home from the rink in our normal spot, but we are going to either Rogers or Bell to call the game off of the monitor. Now, when I balked at this a number of years ago, I didn't think you could do it, all right? I, I thought it was going to be a real tough, thing. not so much for Ralphie, but it's going to be a tough thing for the play-by-play -play guy to do this. Yeah. Well, we've done it. We've done it, and it's gotten on the air I guess it's okay, um, but having said that, I don't want to travel commercial during all of this COVID stuff because all yeah. of your hearing is, you know, well, this, this plane arrived and 25 yeah. of them have COVID. 
Well, yeah. you know, so at this point, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with not traveling. Um, and when this is all said and done and COVID's over, I'm sure that they're going to say to us, well, you know what, if you're not on the charter mm -hmm. and you're doing this, uh, it works. So why don't we do this? And I would probably agree with them, but I would want to put one caveat into the deal in that when we get to the postseason, I yeah. want to be in the ring. Because if this franchise ends the drought since 1967 by winning in Vegas or Colorado, you or, better be there. I want to be there. Yes. I want to be there. So I would think that that would be something that could be negotiated. And I hope that that's how it will go in the future. But at this point, I, I can't see without us being on the charter, uh, going, you know, do, doing our normal job the way we did pre-COVID. So when you first did it, though, how, I mean, from being live and watching the game live to watching it on a screen, like, how was it adjusting to that? Was it easier than you thought, or? It, well, it, it was probably easier than I thought, but it was harder than I thought, too. Because you can't, for instance, six attackers, the goalie comes out. Well, I don't know if the goalie's coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Then sometimes they'll put a nice little icon at the top, empty net. Oh, oh great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, don't, you don't see that. You don't see things behind the play that uh, either a hit or a fight or something mm -hmm. of that nature. So you are really at the, uh, the whim of uh, what, the, the producer of the television show is willing to show you. So, um, so you're getting the same view have, as the people on TV. Like you're not getting your own private no, view of what's going no, on. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, we, that's rough. we did once they said, well, we're, we, we can get you another monitor and have a different, well, that was great. Except they, the whole thing that came up was just the ISO cam. <laughs> and so we're getting tight shots of Joe Thornton's face and everything else. No idea where the puck is, and and we're scrambling around, and we're like we're trying to get guy in the other booth. You got to come in here, and change the channel, do something for us here. But that's been that's been the the not not the norm. It's been the the, the one one incident that really was off left field trying to do it so would there be so a far, city so you would miss traveling to or you kind of been there done that and you know what i i always enjoyed uh, i i'm a huge history buff so i enjoy going to cities uh, like philadelphia uh, i'm a huge civil war buff uh, mm -hmm. i enjoy going to uh, those types of museums and i've gone to a number of them over and over i mean i've i've gone and seen george mead's dead horse in philadelphia wow. a couple of times. um but and then you know if we had a day off um it's not that far a drive to some points uh you know washington obviously uh, has great uh, history to it and, and things um so I, I enjoy that nashville as well mm -hmm. i enjoy the uh, broadway um, in nashville well there are a lot of bars history too that's yeah i yeah. i i've always enjoyed that but but having you know done this for almost 40 years now i've pretty much seen everything and everything it, it was great when you could when you were on the charter because you were getting home after the game and you were in bed by one o'clock if the game was in philly well now uh we have to go back to the hotel after the game 
Uh, you can't take the chance of taking a later flight because maybe there's a game that night in Toronto that we have to get back. So you're up at four in the morning, you're going out to the airport, sit around, you know, hurry up and wait. Um, so that part of travel has taken some of the luster off of going to these cities that uh, I so much enjoyed going to. And we all have our very favorite, you know, restaurants or uh, pubs or something to go to. Um, so I, you miss that, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah I just, it's crazy to, like you say, I can see them saying, all right, well, you've done it this way during through COVID, so why can't we continue it? So I can definitely yeah. see that becoming... Yeah. It, it, it will be, it'll be interesting. And, and then what happens? Right. Do the rest of the National Hockey League people say, hey, if that worked, maybe we do this. Maybe it is something that will uh, be cutting edge. Right. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious yeah. to see. Yeah, it will there. be interesting. It will be yeah. interesting. I'm and, just upset um, if this is the year the Leafs are going to win the cup. I'm not going to get to see it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, we always hope they make the playoffs so we could, you know, my dad. So you could still have no fans there. in the arenas up there? There's still no fans? No, 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 no. 135,000 are going to the uh, Indy 500, though. <laughs> God bless you, woman. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy down there. Our, our boys up here haven't got this organized quite the way it should be, so. Well, we're not yeah. even allowed to go to school. I got, hey, I got kids home from go school. out and find my golf ball for crying out loud. <laughs> Never mind going to hockey games. It's really – when Corey started telling me – because, you know, obviously we had the lockdown last year, but then everything now is starting to open up. And, I mean, even you're allowed to sit at the bar now. It's like everything is just slowly working back to normal. But then everything's just going the opposite direction up there. It's like, no, it's, wait, really? Uh, and, and really, uh, I mean, our province seems to be the one that's really – been hit by it most um but uh yeah until we get more vaccine and get people's arms shot up with it um i can't see this uh perf i mean i thought it was a great science experiment the other day when the blue jays played in texas and they sold out <laughs> the stadium i thought shouldn't someone be there taking a random sample of everybody how many had vaccines yeah how yeah. many got sick later on were the hospitals overrun because of this where are we in this nice little uh science experiment bubble mm -hmm. to allow other people us up here in canada for one <laughs> to find out how far we have to get before this is looked at in in that vein so uh, we have sat here in, in Canada and watched you guys down there w with great interest. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see what happens to that 135,000. <laughs> yeah, I know. But what a great science experiment. Instead, <laughs> I'm in the science experiment up here because yeah. I got the Pfizer uh, vaccine a couple of uh, weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And the people who make this suggest strongly that I get my second shot three months or three weeks after the first. Yeah. But our government says, no, <laughs> no, no, that's like four months, four months, four yeah. months, you'll yeah. be fine. So here I am. I'm, I'm, yes. Yeah. So I'm part yeah. of this. I'm part of the, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, science experiment. And, um, so, so you got one it. shot and you can't get the second one. My daughter right. is, is no. 18 and her third, yeah. They scheduled oh, three weeks not, right when she was there. We're not past the 30-year-olds. I'll bet, Corey, you haven't got yours yet. 
I, hey, I'm, they're not even close to me yet. No, so. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, our science experiment is really interesting. I'm oh. just, I'm just hoping that I make it through. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just hope your son can play hockey. I hope, you know, and I know I we want to see about him. Laurentian I do too. That, I do too. Um, you were so cute. Cause you're so proud. Like that night, um, yeah. when you were, he just finished his game and you're just so proud of him and you know, That's a big it was deal. just it's a big deal playing in yeah. the yeah. yeah. And you can well, just he, tell how, how much you love got, your family. He got bounced around a bit. I mean, he, he got, uh, traded to, uh, uh, Drummondville and, and played there a bit. And then they were going through a rebuild and then they, they, uh, traded for a younger goalie and David came back and he was playing, uh, for the tier two team, uh, in the, uh, uh, Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League in Rayside when he got called up by the Wolves after they got uh, blasted 11-2 or 3 and then through the real great 2 nothing shutout at uh, the best team in Canada, the Ottawa 67. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very proud of him. Um, he really has never been given uh, the ball to run with. And, yeah. uh, that You know, that's, that's as I say to him, I said, you know, you're not the first person that's going to sit back and say, I got screwed uh, playing this game because uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And mm -hmm. uh, if, uh, you know, that's all it takes is a manager or a coach who, for some reason, doesn't see in you what there is there, um, you get shunted to the side. And yeah. it's different if you're a player, uh, you may not get 15 minutes of ice, you may only get five, but you're at least getting the five. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a goalie, first off, you're at the end of the bench opening a door. And then the next step is you're not even opening the door. So, um, you know, your two dads uh, obviously were uh, uh, key components of their junior teams and played a lot uh, and then went on to play in the National Hockey League. So I feel bad, not, not only for David, but there are, the Ontario Hockey League has not played at all this season, and all of those kids, a lot of them, uh, this is the, their draft year, and, and they haven't had an opportunity to show people that, you know what, I grew three inches and put on 50 pounds over that last summer uh, training and being ready to play this year. So this year's draft in the National Hockey League, talk about a crapshoot because <laughs> it's going to be just, well, I think, he improved. I, I don't know because he hasn't played. Same way with the OHL. How, how, how are they going to do the OHL draft this year? They're talking about a draft, but oh, exactly. I, I train a lot of these kids, and I think they maybe had four or five scrimmages. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and how do you, how do you, how do you take that out of uh, you know? Yeah. And and how many you know the 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 minor midget draft? Well, how many are there watching? You know, Bantam. The, yeah. the scouts didn't go down and watch Bantam, knowing that COVID was coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they're. Yeah, it's it's a enormous crapshoot, enormous yeah. crapshoot, and a lot of a lot of careers are going to be yeah. affected, uh, you yeah. know, conversely because of it. Yeah. Well, tell well, David. We'd love to have your yeah. son on one day and yeah. talk about what it was like growing up with you as his dad. Part yeah. of. Oh well, there's uh, there's there's four of them, so you can take your pick. <laughs> we'll bring them all on, then yeah. they can share stories. I was just tell David stay positive. Goalies mature yeah. a little bit later. There's 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 lots of avenues. So well, and, we've got we've got to find a place for him to play because he was going to play at Laurentian, and now they've uh, gone into receivership, and uh, so uh, he's he's taking a, uh, the uh, sports administration course up there, which is a great course. Yep. Uh, and I think he wants to finish that, but we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah. Well, take uh, COVID out of the picture, and you started in '82. Just as an as an announcer, how has that changed through the years with the way that the game has changed? Because the game has changed changed so much. Um, much how has that faster. affected you? Yeah. yeah, much faster, much much faster. And and the other thing is, you um, you do not because goaltenders are better and bigger, and the equipment is better, and and in some instances bigger. You don't see Rick Leach or Rick Vive coming down the wing, winding up and blasting a shot in uh, very often. I mean, yeah. if, if it is, it, it's a mistake. It's a big mistake. <laughs> right. I mean, how, how many times do you see a guy come roaring down the wing, probably has a chance to shoot the puck? Nope. Stop, curl, get everybody in there, try to find something else to work, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. So yeah. the, game, the game really has changed a great deal. And I, I like to say, you know what? There's not as many oohs and ahs. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. when Rick Five came down the wing or, or Rick Leach, uh, or Reggie Leach came down the wing and the slap shot was coming, if it went wide, there was a oh mm -hmm. or yeah. ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But there aren't, any, there aren't enough oohs and ahs anymore right. from the stands. Of course, there's no one in the stands now to ooh and ah, so it doesn't make any difference. But, but that, the game It's has not as changed. colorful. The game yeah, is not as was. Oh, sure yeah. was. I mean, Mike Bossy, that great release, scored off the wing, yeah. countless of t countless times. Rick Tockett, uh, Rocket Tockett, that was his exactly. Thing. Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky yeah. coming down the wing, yeah. a little hesitation, and then the slap shot, and it's over the shoulder and in. I mean, <laughs> you see highlights of that, and you go, "Wow, they could score from there before." Neat. Oh, I can't do it now. Yeah, can't do it now. yeah, it's, it's changed so much. Like my brother bench. doesn't even really watch the games anymore because he just he doesn't like the way they they are played now. It's mm -hmm. not so much passion, not as yeah. much passion as they as they used to have. So well, you know, the, Harry Neal had the great line about fighting. He said, "You know what? If this keeps up, they're going to have to build bigger stadiums." Yeah, <laughs> because if no one no one ever left the building. No, they went the opposite way. <laughs> and, 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 uh -huh. You in Philadelphia, of yeah. all locations, uh -huh. would know how that <laughs> brought everybody to their feet at the spectrum. Oh, yeah. And everything else. Well, now, uh, and, and you know, well, player safety, yeah, I get it, and, and everything else. And, and as a parent, I'm sure that everybody's quite happy that uh, mm -hmm. Junior's probably not going to have to take 15 punches to the head on a, uh, any given night. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that part of the game has obviously changed. I mean, if there's a fight now, it's, it's wow. Oh, gee. And you see the refs <laughs> right in there. The refs I mean, right in there. I think it doesn't go we've far. Had, we've had uh, Wayne Simmons twice, uh, uh, Dermot once, Bogosian, you know, Muzzin once. So there's yeah. three or four yeah. for, the, for the entire season. Hell, back in the 80s, if you didn't have four in the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> boy, what a horrible game this was. I mean, Wendell Clark had three of them himself. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and a couple points, too. That's Exactly. Yep. You, could, so yeah, you weren't uh, taking a cheap shot at the goalie or at other players because you knew you were going to pay the price later. Yeah, 100%. It, it, uh, it, and it was, uh, in, in those days, it, it was uh, changed the momentum. Yeah. They, yeah. Somebody oh, went sure. out and changed the momentum. But unfortunately... As things progressed and into the 90s um, and then into the 2000s, 
it was the stiff sitting at the end of the bench. And when he went on, the other stiff from the other team went on <laughs> and they sat there and there was no animosity. There was no reason for it. It was mm -hmm. just, here we are, let's go. Right. So it had that part of the game needed to be taken out. I, and I fully yeah. agreed with that. That that had nothing to do with trying to change things or whatever. It was just, right. okay, yeah. this is why I'm on the team and you're on the team for the same reason. So how's, how's the wife and kids? Good, okay. Right. And yeah. that part, uh, you know, those those positions and that spot on the roster has obviously been taken by someone who doesn't do that and is a better player uh, than just uh, the quote unquote enforcer that you needed. But having said that, when you get to the postseason, um, this you still have to, as, as Con Smythe said, you can't beat them in the alley. You can't beat them on the ice. And you yeah. still have to have that grit and and the, the term now is sandpaper i guess um, so <laughs> yeah. you, have to have, you have to have some sandpaper in your lineup okay. that, that's just pushback and if you know if, whether it's the, the 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 face wash with the glove or the uh you touch my goalie i'm gonna fire you into the end boards or whatever yeah. uh that that has to be a part of your team's dna because if it's not the other team is going to take take advantage yeah. of it no. And but you also have to be a good player now. Like you said, you can't just be a fighter. Like a Matt Martin, he's a tough guy, but he's also a good player. Yeah. You know, you like, play. that's right. That's you right. Play. You can play. And, and and that was the one thing that Ty Domi was so good at. Like Ty could play. Yeah. Ty was a you know a great skater, and yeah. and he could score. But uh, he was willing, more than willing and able to uh, do what he had to do. And 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 Bobby Probert. Those two had legendary bouts with one another, but both could play. And so the coach could put them on the ice and feel comfortable that they were not going to be a liability. They were going to be a, a positive influence. And uh, it usually ended up being, you know, something physical that they would do, but they could score as well. So, um, yeah, those, those, I mean, Wendell Clark, obviously the, the, probably the premier example of that. Um, and, and what he was able to do and score and shoot. And, and yet, uh, even though he wasn't a, the biggest man on the ice, he was certainly one of the toughest. Yeah. Well, apparently, I mean, I was too young, obviously, um, but apparently Schultz, you know, he gets all this, oh, he is the fighter and the enforcer, but you know, also a, a pretty good player, too. Well, and, and, and when he was on the ice, obviously, you had to know he was on the ice. Um, yeah, uh, he was a physical player too. Not just fighting; he he could throw his body and weight, and 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 was uh, very aggressive on the forecheck and everything else. So, oh no, they had they had a bunch of them in Philadelphia. But uh, you know, uh, Freddie Sherrill had to be able to put them on the ice. You can't you can't be an intimidating factor sitting on the end of the bench. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's like having the atomic bomb, but you can't use it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, uh, that that sort of thing. They they had to be able to play. Absolutely, had to be able to play. Well, I have a few. One thing I want to ask you before we go too, um, as far as our dads go, um, for you, you were a goalie. Do you have any special excuse memory? Me, of excuse, them? Me, excuse me, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> you still, still a goalie. Play. Thank you. You, you are still a goalie. goalie. <laughs> you are a goalie. <laughs> Rephrase your question, please. <laughs> now, since you are a goalie, currently playing, um, what? Uh, were our dads like? Did you watch them when you were younger? Do you have a memorable game of them? Were they any type of influence for you? 
Well, obviously we watched them, but they were so different in styles. I mean, Bernie was an absolute clone of Jacques Plante. Mm -hmm. Mannerisms, uh, the way his pads went on, how he played. Uh, Dougie, uh, obviously from his lacrosse background, that he was a goalie in as well, uh, he played completely different. He was... And I, I wouldn't say Glenn Hall because Glenn was more under control in the butterfly. I mean, Bernie, uh, Dougie was kind of flopping and, and <laughs> spread out, right? I mean, he was exciting as hell to watch. And, and, and then I would think that if you were going to fire somebody who, who watched him play and then went on uh, after him would have been Mike Palmatier. Yeah. Similar bills. Yeah. Yet, you know, two pads stack over here and flying all over the net over there <laughs> and everything. Bernie was under control. He was, I mean, he, and when they played together in Toronto, you couldn't tell them apart. They both had the Jacques Plante mask on, right? Same, <laughs> I mean, half the time when you looked at the, at the TV when they started the game, is that Bernie or is that Jacques playing today? Huh? And it took a little while to figure out who it was. But, I mean, obviously Jacques Plante had an enormous Enormous mm -hmm. uh, impact on your dad, uh, Kim. And I I'm say not that sure. Toronto was such a blessing for him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and and Corey, uh, who would your dad think that he pat patterned his game after? <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned Glenn Hall. I know my dad was a big uh, Glenn Hall, Gump Worsley. Well, I got. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Roger Cro Roger Crozier. The crow. Yeah, the crow. Roger Crozier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The and who do you style? What's your style, Joe? What's your style, Joe? My my style now is very much stand up and play the angles because if any SOB scores on me, I've had better people than them score on me before. So <laughs> the the getting up and down part is not real good anymore. So I'm I'm uh, I would say I'm Rick Saint Croix. Yeah, big stand up, stand up goalie. Stand yeah. up, angles, just and dig, and dig it out of the net when I have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what my dad played the Winter Classic, and he went down a few times. You're just like, oh God, I hope he can get back up. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> my, my dad was watching when Bernie did uh, was was going practicing for the Winter Classic. My dad messaged him and said, "Hey, Bernie, your angles are a little off. I should get my stuff ready." <laughs> so, they well, still joke the, the worst thing was is that he was playing with his old equipment. Yeah. yeah. And I said, Bernie, Bernie, there, there's a lot better stuff out there now. Well, he didn't like when they would put the uh, the new stuff on him. He didn't like how it felt. He no. felt like he couldn't move. He didn't exactly. like the feel of it at all. Like no, he's like, I can't wear this. I've, I've gotten over that, Kim. And, yeah. the stuff, and one of the reasons why this game has changed so much, so much, is fear. Goaltenders now do not have fear. They really don't. The stuff that you have on now, you you might get a bit of a, a, a twinge or whatever, but yeah. the puck is not going to hurt you mm -hmm. if you are square with your equipment to it and everything yeah. else. Fear, back in the days of your dads and John Bauer, that was why anybody who played goal was viewed to be the village idiot. <laughs> right? This guy yeah. is not all there, or he wouldn't be standing in there with that crap on that is goaltending equipment at that point and, and play. 
That's just not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fear was an enormous part. That's why goaltenders didn't go down. That's why John Bauer played up and played, you know, because the, you know why? The puck was down there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it hurt. It hurt when it hit you in the face when you didn't have a mask on. Yeah. So fear, fear uh, has now changed the game from that position where now kids who are very good athletes, and, and Corey, you'd know this, yeah. good athletes are playing that position as opposed to little brother Jimmy, you play goal <laughs> while the rest of us are out here, and little brother Jimmy ends up being a goalie later on because that's the only position that his older brothers would let him play. Well, my dad always said he played goal because yep. he couldn't skate. You know? <laughs> well, exactly. Same, yep. Same, yep. My dad. <laughs> Same here. Same here. I'd hate to go out on. I go on the ice now with my grandson, and I'm I'm without my pads on, and I'm Jesus. I'm gonna fall on my head here. No time. I'm not gonna have anything to buffer it. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Joe. For this, that was so much fun talking to you. Thanks so much for hanging with us this morning. Oh, oh there's your kid. <laughs> looks like my cat, Lucky. That's Irish. Oh, my oh, gosh, so cute. I have to get a screenshot yeah. for my daughter. Here, hold back up. <laughs> oh, come here, Irish. Oh, she's gone. Oh, she's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Joe, real quickly, what made you? Uh, what makes you a big Notre Dame fan? Because I noticed the ringtone was. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a huge. Uh, my dad was a Notre Dame fan. Uh, my dad passed away when I was just going into high school, uh, and, and um, we used to watch the Notre Dame highlights on, on television on Sunday mornings with Lindsey Nelson doing the commentary of everything. So I always wanted to go to Notre Dame, and um, uh, Mike Wadsworth, uh, who was the um, athletic director down there, uh, is a was a Toronto boy and had played for the Argos, and I knew Mike, and uh, I, was, I thought, how are you going to get tickets to go? But Mike got tickets for my family, my boys and I. Uh, we took a motor home and went down oh, that's back awesome. 25 years ago, I guess. And we've gone every year uh, and until last summer. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just we're huge Notre Dame football fans. Uh, become very uh, good friends with a gentleman by the name of John Heisler, who uh, was the uh, assistant athletic director to Mike and was in charge of media relations. He's now at uh, UCF in uh, uh, Florida, uh, but his wife uh, taught the radio and TV um, course at uh, in South Bend, and I would go down and speak in the Regis building. They haven't built anything down there with my name on it, but uh, <laughs> not yet, uh, not yet. Yeah, but, but um, yeah, we're huge, huge Notre Dame football fans. Was it because uh, of I, your dad that you became a Packers yes. fan too? Okay. Yep. And, and you know what, Kim? I uh, I, I, I when I go back to Sudbury, I obviously go and visit my mom and dad and uh, and at their great site. But when I go to South Bend, um, it's the old adage. People say if you if you get it, what Notre Dame is. No explanation is required. And if you don't get it, no explanation will suffice. Right, right, right. And when I go to Notre Dame, I go to the grotto, uh, that very famous area behind the basilica uh, where you can light a candle and everything else. And I will go get up early the morning that we're there, one of the mornings that we're there, and I'll walk over by myself and I'll sit there for an hour and talk to my dad. And I don't do that anywhere else wow but 
but he, you know, and, and I know he understands and I know why, why I'm there. That's and, special. Uh, it's, it's a very, very special spot. It yeah. really is. And wow. I've taken, uh, I took the lads when uh, Notre Dame played Navy over in Dublin. We went over uh, ah. just a trip of a lifetime. Um, but yeah, wherever we've gone to see them play in various locales, but uh, getting to South Bend and going through the campus and everything is a, a very, very special thing to not only me uh, because of my dad, but now my four boys. Uh, oh, Derek, Derek, Sean, and David are, are huge Notre Dame football fans. But we live and die with a bunch of teams. Um, you know, we've gotten to the gotten to the final four, gotten to the championship games in recent years and lost. So. Um, we're used to that being Leaf fans, you know, we're, <laughs> we're hanging in there. But, but I, that's I nice always, you share that with your dad and now the boys yeah. and they'll pass it down to their kids. Yes, I'm they sure. will. Yep. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the one thing that I've always said about being a fan and I'm, I'm a fan of the Boston Red Sox and, and until 2004, they hadn't won since 1918. So you, I mean, you got to hang in there, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. only yeah. one, one team wins, one fan base is ecstatic. Everybody yeah. else is. It's not Down easy. The dumps or whatever, yeah. you know, it's next year, next year, next year. But when it does happen, how special is it? Uh, when the Eagles won. really special is it? Uh, when so, the Eagles won, that was, uh, and that's know, a moment I'll share with my kids and mom forever. Yeah. And, yeah. and one, you know, one of the great stories about, uh, about the Red Sox and then, of course, the Cubs, who hadn't won since 1908, was the fact that, you know, People were taking the transistor radio or the radio and sitting in a graveyard with Grandpa, oh, who was wow. such a huge fan that of literally gave whatever me the chills. And gave me the you chills. know what? They're going to win it. They're going to win it. And I'm going to, and this is what I want to be here with Grandpa wow. because he's yeah. the one that got me to be a Cubs fan or a Notre Dame fan wow. or a Toronto yeah. Maple Leaf fan. So wow. and, you know, people, have asked, me, That's people really cool. have asked me, said, what are you going to say if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup uh, in your time, uh, on your watch? And I've often said, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I felt so bad for the guys from Chicago when they ended their drought and no one knew the puck was in the net except Patrick Kane. Yeah. And so there's no iconic call. Yeah. Uh, to be replayed it was it was almost an afterthought and i pray that that isn't the case for us that yeah. it'll be a good goal it'll be something that we can but i've often thought that at the end if we're counting down the seconds and the thing is in the bag um that i will mention my dad oh. somewhere in there oh i, I hope it's this year just for that for that alone i hope it's this year and I uh, hope it's not a reviewed goal. No, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, how how about if, if it's a, a puck like we've had a couple where went in and out of the net so fast you didn't play one on, then the horn goes. What if that's your overtime winner? Uh, well, when the Flyers and, lost, and, 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 and I was play goes on for another 30, 45 seconds yeah. until the horn goes. Uh, 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 boys, yeah. hold up. Uh, I think hold we up. have an issue here. I hope that I get to. Uh, oh, I hope it's this it. year. Yeah, I do as well. And I hope you and Jim are together in a booth so we can watch your reactions because I love how you guys react when you guys score like big goals and that's how we're doing. Keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, Amazon is doing. Uh, 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 they're following the Leafs the whole season. Uh, there's going to be a, a program, I guess, put together. Uh, you know, a number of episodes or whatever. Okay. Uh, um, in September. So if this was, it, it'd be a great 
bid. Great year. Absolutely. Uh, to see that, if, in fact, this is the year that it ends. We'll see. Well, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you, Joe, for joining us. At, uh, but we seriously appreciate it. I know we took a lot of time from you this morning, so we, well, we as, really enjoyed it. As luck would have it with COVID, time I've got lots of. <laughs> yes. Corey, thank you very much. And please, yeah. please say hi to your dads for me. Uh, Absolutely. They, uh, they brought me great uh, joy to watch. And uh, uh, we'll still tr we're still trying to find the guy that uh, had the mask in, uh, in, uh, in New York. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix his wagon, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks right, so much, thank Joe. You. Enjoy your day. Thank you. All you right. too. Bye-bye. Yeah. The Perrant Favel Generation X podcast is powered by Biscuit Tees and Favel Fitness. Bringing you unique comfort and style while optimizing a healthy, organic lifestyle. Yes, we're going.